But what happens next if PNR lose their proposals is 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 a key question because my answer to that would be well if you've uh, brought forward your flagship fiscal policy on which your entire um, budget spending plans depend and it has been defeated you should resign Welcome to the Bailiwick Express podcast. My name is Matthew Leach. I'll be joined each week by a guest for a series of podcasts. Each will shine a light on topics from across the Bailiwick. The format will change week to week. We'll have debates, reviews, hot seat interviews and special guests. So stick with us as we offer some insight on some of the most important issues we in the Bailiwick face. The Policy and Resources Committee has begun its public campaign explaining its plan to broaden Guernsey's tax base, a necessary action it needs to take to tackle a looming £85 million deficit. Most notably, this includes a push once again for a goods and services tax. The idea has been controversial, both publicly and within the states. One deputy who's been consistently critical of PNR's approach to taxation reform is Deputy Charles Parkinson who is a qualified accountant and has written extensively on taxation. I spoke to him about his concerns and the alternative approach which he says could save the island from GST. They're offering two possibilities, the sort of uh, the devil and the even worse devil, um, which are um, higher income taxes or GST. And I've consistently said what we need to do firstly is to reform our corporate tax system which I think will bring in some more revenue. How much depends very much on exactly uh, how we uh, replace the corporate tax system. But uh, when we've done that, we will see what the residual deficit might be, if there is one, and we can then decide what we need to do about it. Is corporate tax being approached properly? I know they say that's not possible yet. Well, no, it it isn't being approached properly at all. Um, After the debate last autumn, where PNR effectively pulled their policy letter because it quite quite clearly wasn't going to get supported. They said they'd come back to the states next June um, with a, a you know a revised version focusing on corporate taxation. Now I understand from those who bothered to attend their briefings to states members that the latest briefings have hardly mentioned corporate taxation and the leaflet they pushed out doesn't really mention it either. What all they're saying is um, we have we have a big potential deficit or looming deficit, and the two ways we can think of to fill it are uh, raising income tax rates or introducing a GST. And you know this takes us right back to where we were last September, when um, effectively that's what their policy letter said, and. Uh, And that was um, a policy letter that, uh, at the time, I spoke strongly against. So they've argued that, just to play devil's advocate in this case, and you'll know better than I will, um, they say corporate tax system debating this is not worthwhile yet because international discussions are ongoing about the possible introduction of a global minimum corporation tax rate. Is Is that a reason why not? No, it isn't. It's a relevant consideration. Um... The uh, ongoing discussions about a global minimum corporation tax rate of 15%, 
might steer us towards a corporation tax rate of 15%. But the global initiative only applies to very large companies. And um, uh, my issue with our current 010 regime is that it basically exempts from tax companies operating in our domestic economy. Um, the finance industry, people people get some more, oh gosh, this will affect the finance industry, but it's just, that's simply not true, or very largely not true. The finance industry already pays tax in general um, at 10%. Um, now, uh, you, you know, maybe um, we, we will be steered towards a 15% corporation tax rate, but the, the, what the issue here is not the rate, but the tax base. In other words, all those companies operating in our domestic economy, which currently pay 0%, should be paying tax here. And so if we've, what would an adequate corporation tax framework look like? Well, I think it needs to be a territorial-based tax with a positive rate, perhaps 10%, perhaps 15%, we will see. But um, it, when I say territorial-based, it means, or I mean is, uh, the tax needs to apply to the Guernsey profits of companies doing business in Guernsey, and 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 not to not to profits uh, generated outside the island. So um, that would apply both to local companies and non-resident companies who do business in Guernsey. And so, in the past, you you kind of alluded to the fact that there might not be the the relevant experience or, or understanding in the states at the moment to be able to do this well um, guernsey doesn't have guernsey's tax system at the moment is a, a worldwide income tax system so people in guernsey generally don't have expertise in managing territorial tax systems the territorial tax systems apply in some of our main competitors like hong kong and gibraltar and singapore but also in um, uh, major countries around the world, like uh, France and Costa Rica and, and so on. So there are people around the world who know about territorial tax systems, but they're not likely to be found in Guernsey. If we could, if we could figure out a corporation tax system that will work, remove zero tax, would this avoid, avoid the need for GST? Well, it would depend how much tax um, the, the new corporate income tax would raise. And that depends on the detail of how you define Guernsey source income. The, the, these are issues that would need to be resolved in uh, establishing a new corporate income tax. Um, because if you cast the net very widely, Guernsey source income uh, could include a lot of income, which would become subject to tax. But if you cast the net very narrowly, then Guernsey source income might be defined as a relatively small amount of income, which would become subject to Guernsey tax. And I can't sit here and tell you at this stage how much tax would be produced by a uh, territorial corporate in income tax. All I can say is that the, the, at this stage, what we can what we can see is it it will fall in a range, which is at, at present not not well defined um and um you you know that, that at the lower end um this could be uh one or two tens of millions and at the upper end this could be many tens of millions and uh, potentially could um 
resolve the need for us to raise other taxes completely. So I think the work needs to be done on uh, establishing a new corporate income tax regime and um, thinking very carefully about um, how Guernsey source income is defined for that purpose. And then on the basis of that, we'll have a better idea of how much tax it will produce. Do you think that's unlikely to happen? Well, actually, I think it's more likely than um, probably other people think it is, because I don't think the Policy and Resources Committee are going to get through their proposals in June. Um, They're clearly going to come back to the states recommending a GST. I I think that's blatantly obvious. And I think it's very unlikely that they will get majority support for that. And so this is clearly a topic you you know quite well. What's your background, your history here? Well, um, I'm a chartered accountant and a barrister. And uh, when I was in private practice, I was a tax specialist, an international tax specialist. So I wrote uh, books and articles on international tax matters. I wrote a, a leading book on the French tax system, for example, and I studied uh, extensively the UK system and other systems. So um, I do have some background knowledge in this in this area, and I know, for example, that um, Hong Kong, Singapore, Gibraltar uh, territories that operate a corporate income tax system which is territorially based have done extremely well as offshore finance centres over the last 20, 30, 40 years. And so I know that um, this this type of system can be uh, implemented in Guernsey without affecting our competitiveness. And you spoke quite extensively on it last year during the debate on GST. Do you think you were listened to or heard? Well, I think so, because I think, um, well, it was a funny debate, because if you remember, uh, we hadn't concluded by the close of business on Friday. So um, the meeting was adjourned and then, it, it you know, we, it resumed again uh, a week or so later. I can't remember now. And by the time it resumed, I spoke uh, before in the first half of the meeting before um, the meeting was adjourned. And by the time the meeting was resumed, uh, policy and resources had evidently decided to, decided to pull their policy letter. So, um, you know, we went through the opening formalities of the resumed meeting, and then before midday, uh, we got an amendment through proposed by Policy and Resources Committee to, uh, in effect, to suspend um, their policy letter and to direct them to come back Uh, in June 2022, uh, with proposals which focused on corporate income tax. Now, since that is what I had been telling them to do in the earlier part of the meeting, I have to assume that they were listening to me. If we turn it round to GST, because obviously that's what we're all discussing this week, um, it seems to be, it, it is a divisive topic within the States. Do you think it has any, I mean, you've already kind of answered this question before, I suppose, but do you think it has any chance of succeeding? Well, you can never say never, but I personally think it's unlikely that it will succeed because um, obviously people like myself will be opposed to it. But, you know, we have a, a ruling conservative coalition, call them what you like, 
and significant numbers of people who who ordinarily that coalition could call on for support, uh, people like Deputy Dyke, in fact, uh, various members of the Guernsey Party, um, uh, as well as um, Deputy Inder, who's been uh, vocally uh, opposed to uh, GST, Deputy McKenna, who's a, you know instinctively a conservative but uh, is deeply hostile to GST, and because quite a number of them, or people who normally support the coalition, uh, are clearly opposed to GST, I think they're going to struggle. I'm interested to get your take on, on why, I suppose. I mean, lower income households are often cited as the group will be most impacted. Um, I mean, is this true? Could they be better off overall? Why is GST so so unpopular? Well, I think it come, this proposal comes at a very bad time. We have earnings for many people have been flat for a very long time. So, uh, you know, lots of people haven't had a real um, increase in their pay for a, a long time. And so, uh, and the cost of housing, of course, is astronomical, et cetera, et cetera. And the, a proposal to add whatever it may be, 5% or 8% to, um, to the cost of all the goods and services that we buy is, is, is never going to be a popular proposal, but it's, it's singularly poorly timed now. And, um, of course, it's, uh, it, it's, um, it's hardest on those who are lowest paid because, essentially, we all eat much the same quantity of food. And, um, and we, we all need much the same sort of quantity of clothes, etc., and um you know if you're if you're uh, relatively well off um you um you, you, you the the gst on the food you buy the clothes you buy maybe a very small proportion of your income but if you're um, not so well off then it becomes quite a significant portion of your income and and therefore hits you harder so how have they argued just from because just for my sake? How have they argued that it could be better off overall for lower income households? Well, well, well what they're saying is they would adjust other tax uh, features of the tax system to to counterbalance the increase in GST. So, for example, they could increase personal allowances, but that only benefits people who have income above the personal allowance threshold and many pensioners, for example, uh, only earn um, income up to the current personal allowance. So an increase in the personal allowance wouldn't benefit them at all. Um, But then they say, well, we'll compensate further by adjustments through the social security system to um, um, increase benefits um, to those both in work and out of work to... uh, cover the cost, if you like, of the the GST they're going to pay. But um, all that does really is shift the burden up into the middle income bands because, as I've said, for, for the very well-off people, um, the GST is a very small proportion of their income. And um, uh, for, for people who've got a lot of money, um, basically uh, they, ha- they have a choice between spending and saving. Uh, their money and um, GST actually has a tendency to encourage them to save, which in some some senses is good for the economy because savings equals investment, and so 
um, you know, uh, in general, uh, savings are something that are, that, that are a good thing. But um, what it means is overall that people who, who've got lots of money will just choose not to spend it or choose not to spend it in Guernsey or whatever and um, and and probably won't feel the effects of an increase in GST very much. And um, the, if the if those on the lowest incomes are protected by, by various adjustments through tax allowances or social security benefits, then the burden falls on middle income earners who have little capacity to save um, beyond probably paying off their mortgage or whatever they've um, committed to, and who, um, who who will find that they're not protected by whatever social security improvements have been introduced, and they're bearing the full brunt of the um, of the GST. And so I've got a bit of a twofold question for that. I mean, has a percentage GST been proposed? I, I may have missed it. And is it similar to elsewhere? And has it worked elsewhere, GST? Um, well, uh, yeah. First of all, I don't know that they've nailed their colours to a percentage, but I think they, they've talked in the past about 5% or uh, maybe a bit more percent. Um, uh, in terms of has it worked elsewhere, well, of course, pretty well every other country, in fact, every other country in Europe has... Um, the equivalent of the GST. In most countries, it's called a value-added tax. And Guernsey is anomalous because it's pretty much the only place in Europe that doesn't have a value-added tax. But um, that is an advantage to us. It makes us attractive to some kinds of finance business, for example. And I don't think that's something we should give up lightly. And so if, if PNR's proposals fail... What would need to happen next, and how fast would it need to happen next to address the deficit we're facing? Well, to take the second point first, um, Guernsey isn't um, sort of in imminent danger of collapsing. Um, it can be argued that um, we're on a we, we stand on a platform which is starting to catch fire, and that we will ha- we, we will have to do something about this at some time. But it's not like this year or next year or the year after, Guernsey is is likely to go bankrupt. That isn't the case. Um, so uh, we we have time to think about this. But what happens next if PNR lose their proposals is 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 a key question. Because my answer to that would be: Well, if you've uh, brought forward your flagship fiscal policy on which your entire um, budget spending plans depend, and it has been defeated. You should resign. Um, in, 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 if this happened in the UK or in pretty well any other country, if the government lost its flagship fiscal policy, they would have to go. Now, I'm hearing on the grapevine that this BNR are planning not to go, and that they are saying. Well, if 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 it gets if it gets defeated, um, we'll just soldier on, and um, the problems won't go away. But uh, our proposals to solve the problems obviously can't proceed, and we'll just carry on trundling towards um, 
what we predicted to be a financial disaster. I just think that's um, completely irresponsible and um, that the island deserves better than that. So using your analogy from before, do you think this state's PNR will be able to put out the fire that has begun? No. Um, the, the, the problems uh, with our fiscal strategy at the moment are, have been well identified by PNR and, and by other, others before them. We have an ageing demogra- demographic, a deteriorating dependency ratio, and uh, so uh, more and more people are, are going to be dependent on the state for pensions and health and other benefits, and fewer and fewer people are going to be working. And um, beyond the point, that just becomes unsustainable because the the taxes and uh, charges on the working population basically mean that um, um, well, many 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 of them will decide they'd be better off living and working somewhere else where the housing is more affordable. <laughs> and we already have a bit of that going on now. So you get to a point where uh, your um, working population is declining, not simply because uh, um, fewer and fewer people are being born and um, uh, more and more people are reaching, reaching retirement age. You actually exacerbate the problem by charging those in work so much that some of them leave. And, uh, and then you're face, you know, it becomes a vicious circle. It all sounds a bit uh, uh, scary to the taxpayer in Guernsey. The future of the island seems a bit uh, uncertain. Are you, are you hopeful for the future? Yes, I, I, I believe these problems can be solved if we go about uh, approaching them the right way. And the right way to uh, resolve this problem is to broaden the tax base to include not just the resident individual population of the island, but also companies doing business on this island. And um, I think if the tax burden is shared out more fairly between people doing business on Guernsey as, as well as people living on Guernsey, then we can start to solve all the other problems. But whether this PNR has the metal to do that, I very much doubt. Thank you for listening to the Bailiwick Express podcast. The title track was Shift My Weight by Luno. If you enjoyed it, I know it's a pain, but please like and share. It all helps. And remember, you can hit bailiwickexpress.com to stay right up to date with whatever is happening in the Bailiwick. You can find us online, on social, on email, and on internet radio. There'll be more from me, Matthew Leach, and all the Bailiwick Express team next Friday.